This recording is of an interview that I, Richard Lang, conducted with Douglas Harding in May 1987. This is part one. My name is Richard Lang and I'm talking to Douglas Harding here this morning. Douglas, what is seeing who you really are? What's it about? What's it about? Seeing who you really are. Well, it's so simple, it's uh, difficult to describe, isn't it? But perhaps one should say that uh, normally one is looking at other things, one is looking at what one is looking at. But seeing who you really are is uh, simply looking at what you're looking out of. It's turning the direction of your attention round precisely 180 degrees and uh, looking at what is nearest of all, what is central to one's life, what's the permanent uh, ingredient in all that one is and does, namely what's here, what's right here, at a distance of naught inches from me. Normally I uh, am intent on what's uh, quite a long way off, a few inches off, if not feet off, miles off, etc. But there's one region that I, I've learned to ignore under social pressure, I suppose, and so on. Learned to pretend uh, doesn't exist, always unimportant, always dangerous, and not to be looked at. And that's what's uh, right here, what, I, what I'm looking out of, again. That's what seeing is for me, I think. What about you? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, sure. What is it you would say that you were looking out of? I see uh, Douglas Harding over there. Is that what you're looking out of? Well, that's your problem. That's your problem. I don't see him here. At least I, at the moment, I can see quite a lot of stuff. But I wouldn't recognise it as Douglas Harding. I mean, it's a, it's a pullover and uh, trousers and shoes and a couple of... Couple of and sticking out here, but I wouldn't call that Douglas Harding. Um, no, what I find here is <laughs> space for that stuff, that body, that uh, those clothes I was talking about, and those hands. Space for Richard. Now, space for the recording machine and the window and the trees outside. Uh, emptiness here, space for, for it all. Uh, room for it, capacity. Uh, emptiness here so that it may be filled with what is on offer and what's on offer is very simple very clear, very evident and primarily at this time my dear friend Richard So this capacity is an aware capacity? Yes <laughs> certainly, certainly it is very, very it's not just uh, any old capacity, you know, any common or garden room uh, for things to happen in. It's, uh, it's very alert to itself at this time as capacity. So, Douglas, how did you come to this? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know when I came to it. I mean, that story about experience in the Himalayas. Well, 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 perhaps I did. Well, I did, but 
gosh, I, that was not coming to it for the first time, I'm sure. I'm sure I had previews and uh, uh, more than hints of it, long before that. So I don't know the answer to that one, Richard. I mean, how do you come to the, the thing which you, you don't come to, which you are? Mm. You were saying, well, how did you come to be what you are, really? Mm. And that's a hard question. Mm. The answer is, I don't know how I came to be, came across uh, myself. How do I know how I came across myself? That's kind of so built in, it's so central, I, I can't say. <laughs> And the hierarchy was a kind of working out of the significance for you of this discovery. Yes, it's, but it was. And we worked it out in all directions, lots of directions, and with um, considerable, even tiresome thoroughness, I think, yes, in all sorts of directions. Uh, getting more and more complicated, the thing had to be, had to be uh, eventually sort of closed because uh, one had to come back to the centre again. But it was a necessary, for me, for me, uh, for others, I mean, they may be spared an experience like that perhaps, but for me it was essential uh, to, as a setting for the central experience, a uh, kind of working out of it to see whether it figured, see, really to see what sense it, it made, if any. Um, because it seems absolutely ridiculous to say, well, here am I gone, here am I empty for the world, and instead of, uh, instead of a head here, why, I have the whole scene, I'm headless, the headless uh, taker in of the universe. Makes no sense, so the hierarchy was uh, making sense of all that at a great considerable length, as you know. Well, yes, I mean, I think it's a profound book. Douglas, in that book, you set out, in a sense, the levels of appearance. Now, just say to me again how the inside story fits with the outside story. Because you're telling me that at your centre you're just space for things. And yet I see from here that you're somebody. Now, how do those two stories fit together? They seem to be totally incompatible. Yeah. And indeed they are, in a sense, because one is the exact opposite of the other. Uh, in short, Richard, I, I'm not what I look like, and I guess you're not what you look like, and I guess nothing is what it looked like. Right. It's the difference between what uh, one appears to be, or things appear to be, and what one is, or what things really are intrinsically. And there's a total difference. And my way of putting it is that um, and it's a very well-known uh, way of putting it, isn't it, that uh, distance um, lends enchantment. It lends more than enchantment, it lends everything. Mm -hmm. It lends uh, uh, all, all the, the world is on loan uh, from appearance. I mean, everything is uh, a nest of appearances. So what I make of you depends on how far away from well, you are. that's exactly right. And you are now about four feet from me, and so you've got most of a man. I mean, you've at least the top half of a man here. Yeah. You're there, or rather, in your sights, because you're the right distance away. 
but I promise you uh, that what you're seeing there, the man you're seeing there, is there, no doubt, but certainly not here. And if you should doubt me, Richard, you know, you are cordially invited to come here and see, check up whether I'm a liar or not, and come up with uh, your apparatus of every kind. At the moment, you don't need any aids to vision, but as you came up, uh, to me, you would need uh, various kinds of uh, microscopes, first of all optical and then electronic microscopes, and on the way up to me, you would lose me. And uh, you would find here, I think, I believe, what I find, which is uh, nothingness if you're looking in this direction towards me, but if you then turned around and looked out with me, then I think you would find that um, this nothingness is uh, space for the scene. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, you see, is, is really rather more helpful, I think, first of all, not to look at people, because this is a, this is kind of a difficult country ourselves. We, we're not very good at being very bad at finding out what we are, we're very good at finding out what things are, aren't we? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more helpful, I think, to tackle this question of appearance and reality, this uh, contradiction between appearance and reality, uh, as regards um, inanimate objects. Well, take that uh, machine that's recording this talk. I know I see it, it would be rather, rather a fine bit of apparatus there. Very, very complex indeed. And uh, if I go away from it, uh, I sure it'll get smaller and smaller. It will become less and less complex in my experience, and uh, will reduce to a dot and then vanish. Yeah. And to find it again, I have to approach it. On the other hand, if I go up to it, I get a bit of the mechanism. I get one of those loudspeakers, and the rest has fallen away. And go further, I get a bit of metal and go further, and uh, no doubt that metal will, under the microscope, resolve into fibers, uh, and then uh, molecules, and uh, even atoms, and so on. And I'm still not there. The point of contact, right where, the thing is, the point of contact, I shall find nothing. Um, and it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what I go up to, what I go up to, I lose. That is my experience, and it seems to me to be the delivery of science. And science says that. I, I, I don't think this can be denied. That distance makes distance is the making of the world, isn't it? Yes. Range. Things are made by their range. Yes. At one range, I'm a human being. Yes. Another range, I'm, I'm space for the world to happen in. And then between those two, there are all sorts of other ranges where I would be perceived as why uh, atoms, molecules, cells, uh, organs, human being. And then if you like to go further away, still keeping your sights on this center here, why you find 
given uh, a uh, house, uh, a bit of land, a village, town, country, continent, planet, star, solar system. So the star, galaxy, and uh, galaxies getting smaller and smaller points of light. So in the end, even, even going away from me, you lose me. And going, just as going towards me, you lose me. When I say me, I'm talking about Douglas or anything, whatever, if you like. So you're saying that these are all appearances of you, that these are you, in a sense? Well, all of them, yes. not just your human appearance, but your planetary appearance, your galactic Oh, yes, appearance. yes, indeed. I mean, uh, if I consult uh, what my feelings as to what I am, not only, not only these sense impressions, but my feelings as to what I am, um, I find that uh, it's my very nature, very nature, to be extremely variable according to circumstances. Mm. And now when I'm talking to you, I have a certain sense, besides being no thing here, whatever, that here is, uh, for you, I'd say, there is a, a chap called Douglas. And uh, Douglas is certainly around talking to, to Richard. Vis-a-vis uh, -vis, vis -vis Richard, why, it's Douglas that's operating. Now, when it comes to um, uh, reading the newspaper, listening to the news, vis-a-vis -vis, uh, France or Germany or Soviet Russia, one has the feel of identifying with one's country. Uh, I think for, in, in the right circumstances or the wrong circumstances, I might be induced to die for my country. So real is it for me, so much me. It's more me in some circumstances than Douglas is me. Since I will sacrifice Douglas, uh, uh, perhaps for my country or my church or uh, any my family, that I will, will um, feel more identified with one of those greater holes than I do with Douglas. And similarly, I'm elastic downwards as well as upwards, in the sense that uh, I may, and do from time to time, feel pretty identified with a part of one's body. Um, you know, you talk about people as being greedy guts or something like that. Yes. I mean, we, we do, uh, we do uh, identify with bits and pieces of ourselves, quite obviously. And, uh, of course, well, if, 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 if some part of me is in great pain, I'm extremely identified with that, that part of me. Or extreme pleasure. 
So you move up and down. Up and down. So one is very mobile in the universe. Yes. And one takes on as much of the universe or as little of the universe as the occasion requires. And uh, there are times, in fact, I would say this is this has become, in a way, normal, that one is uh, uh, at the centre absolutely nothing whatever. Yes. Except space for the world to happen in. That's what I am at the nearest range. And along with that strangely, paradoxically, goes this other thing which is just as basic, just as important, and just as terminal, really, which is the, because I'm no things, but I'm space for everything. Therefore, in the, in the ultimate, I am no thing and all things. Halfway, I'm Douglas. The ultimate, I am no thing here, and this no thing here is capacity for, receptive of, identical with all things. Because I see, Richard, that this space here is uh, is at this moment. I mean, it's not separate from, distinguishable from its contents. It is its content. Isn't this what you're talking about in the science of the first person? That where science of the first person, what you call science of the first person, seeing here, takes to its ultimate conclusion the science of the third person, all appearances. In other words, it goes to the very centre to find nothing and to the very, very outside or the whole to find everything. Yes, and this is uh, allowing everything that science and common sense comes up with. There's nothing here that's paradoxical at all uh, from the point of view of straight science. Your inquiry is thoroughly scientific. It seems to me to be taking science one step further. Yes. Um, see, science stops short of uh, the centre. It stops short of the scientist as first person, doesn't it? In other words, it... Uh, it, it really behaves, and must do, I mean, it's part of his job. It behaves as though there's a view only from one end of its telescope or microscope. But there's a view in both directions. There's a view out to the star, and there's a view in to the one who's looking at the star. And the, the, I don't mean the, the astronomer as is seen by the people, mm. but I mean the astronomer as at that moment, while looking at the star, he perceives himself which is space for the star. Here's the space in which the star is uh, on show. And uh, so the, the, this science of the first person is an extension of, it doesn't rule out, it's an extension of, and on the contrary, it embraces enthusiastically straight science, ordinary science, third person science, objective science, includes the subject and, and includes it in a in a way which f fits perfectly. I mean, it doesn't destroy the, the structure, it completes the structure. It rounds off the whole thing. And it's not the business of science to do that rounding off. It's the, uh, it's not the business of physics to do that, it's the business of metaphysics to do it, which is a heavy word, and I don't care for it much. But it's, it's, a, it's my business, is, to, is, is not to reject anything that is well founded, well uh, researched by science, it is to uh, welcome it with open arms and deep enthusiasm. 
and complete it by seeing who I am, who, are, who is taking it all in here. Mm. And that is to complete the last term of the inward journey. Science stops short necessarily at, uh, it gets very near to its object. I mean, you know, it, it pulls things into bits uh, and analyzes uh, molecules into atoms, atoms into particles, particles now into highly speculative entities called quarks. Quarks, I don't know what it is. Um, and, uh, but it's still, it's still up to something. It's still, there's still something there. There's still an object there. Are you saying you can't find the centre out there? Science is trying to get no, to the No, no, it requires, that's right. The essential thing is the turnabout. Yes. And this is the whole thing. Is that the whole thing I'm on to, and you're on to, Richard, I would uh, propose. Sure. Yes is the turnabout, mm. it's conversion, it's uh, the, the right about turn, isn't it? Mm. And uh, until we do do that turnabout, uh, uh, we, we're living a half-life. In fact, we've, uh, we're neglecting the heart of the matter. Yes. We're superficial, we're eccentric. Yes. How does the mirror fit into this schema? The scheme of things. Well, the mirror is a wonderful thing. And because it's a superb thing, it's a joke, really. The very funny thing about the mirror, and a very beautiful thing, I think, is that it's, the, first of all, the instrument of my uh, delusion, and secondly, the instrument of my uh, enlightenment, my uh, coming to my senses again. It, uh, it gets me into trouble and it gets me out of trouble. It's like one of those uh, claw hammers, you know, which uh, helps knock together a box, nail together a case or box, and uh, at the other end of it helps to pull it apart again. So uh, the mirror, when I was very, very little, when you were very, very little indeed, it's uh, very, very well known. Every mum knows it, some dads. Um, why, when we were extremely little, what happened in the mirror was of no more interest than anything else. Uh, and uh, a little later, a little later, the uh, baby in the mirror was a uh, rather nice little baby to play with, you know, make noises to and so on. It, it was a, a baby, no question was saying that's me. I mean, it's a baby in the mirror. And uh, when the child begins to talk, he, you know, we've had, uh, had young Kate here pointing to her reflection in the mirror and asking her mum, I was here present when it happened. Was she three? Something like that. Said, has that little girl got a mummy too? She said, pointing to the reflection in the mirror. Well, I mean, that's so. Sensible, isn't it? I mean, really, it's absolutely sensible. But what do we do? I and mean, what is this thing we learn? We learn, and all of us have to learn, and it's a fantastically, it's a leap, it's an incredible thing that no animal learns. It's what makes us human, and it is uh, 
a sort of hallucination, but sort of, well, certainly extremely uh, imaginative and not given. Uh, what we do is to, is to look in the mirror, find a, a person in the mirror, a human being in the mirror, and to say, that's me. And not only do we say, that's me, we say, that's me here. Not me there, but me here. Yeah. And that is an incredibly, I don't know, tricky one. It's a, it's a human invention of incredible uh, ingenuity and, and uh, more than perversion, really. I mean, a perversion of the truth. It's, it's, it's playing tricks with what is given of great complexity. First of all, I mean, there, there is the face in the mirror. Uh, over there, quite small, quite small, facing, shall I say, the wrong way. So it's the wrong size for a face. It's the wrong way round for a face. It is over there. And it's in the wrong place for a face. I mean, three things. It's the wrong size. It's the wrong place. And it's, what's the third one? Wrong way around. Wrong way around. Well, yeah. you have three things all wrong with it. So what you do is to, uh, is to in imagination, you can't do this. You correct all three. You, in imagination, go out and turn it around. And, and you keep enlarging it as you bring it on. You bring it forward towards you, and you keep enlarging it, pulling it out, stretching it, and you bring it on, and you, you plonk it on your shoulders, screw it on your shoulders, stick it on your shoulders, and go out in the world thinking you've done it. You, you, you're presenting this thing to the world here, even when there's no mirror to tell you about it. Yes. You go, you go around thinking you've done it. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> incredible bit of nonsense that we humans build our lives on because it's the very foundation of our lives. It's a way of being human, isn't it? It's a way of being human. And I know it's a great thing to be human. I mean, you know, let's relax and enjoy it. I mean, <laughs> indispensable. But it's a really funny, it's a funny thing, you see, because not only does it get us uh, into being human, it gets us into every sort of trouble, Richard. Now, I'd say... We're having become human by, by playing tricks. Let's be really human by stopping the tricks mm. and, and being human the way we are human and where we're human, mm. which is out there, not here. Mm. It's not a case of denying one's humanness, it's a case of placing one's humanness. And I think that we become really human, really human-hearted, really human, when we're human the way we are human and where we're human and not where we are told we're human, which is right here. Because here I'm not human at all. Here I'm not a man. Right. I'm not human. Not here. Thank God. Thank God. So and now it seems to me that a, a right and proper and complete human being is someone who knows where to keep that stuff. So when you look in the mirror, you see where your face is. It's over there in the mirror, not here on your shoulders. That's right. I look in the mirror and say, you know, well, first of all, I look in the mirror and that was nothing to do with me. The second uh, stage is when I looked in the mirror and said, uh, that's a baby. 
it's a real baby incident, an absolute baby, you see. A little girl, a little boy, a little baby there. Third stage is when I said that baby, that child is me. And uh, that's where most of us uh, stick and spend our lives. We die under that impression. Yes. We live and die under that impression. Fourth stage is, the, is, is to look in the mirror and say, thank God I'm not like that here. So I look now in the mirror and see what I'm not like here. I look in the mirror and see what other people are getting. And I look here to see what I'm getting. And I see the difference is absolutely total. So what I've done is I've taken all that stuff and put it here, and now I'm seeing it's not here. That's right. But what about touch, Douglas? When I touch you, I get sensations. Well, let's do it. I mean, well, I'm touching, I'm fingering this uh, stuff here. Well, I'm not fingering, correction, I'm not fingering any stuff here. I'm just uh, getting sensations. And uh, certainly those sensations are fairly near uh, I don't think they don't seem to be any more central than uh, the air around around me. I mean, they don't seem any more central than um, what shall I say? I don't know what to say. They don't seem central. Try it. Mm -hmm. There they are. They're kind of a roundabout, aren't they? Floating. floating. It doesn't make a solid thing. The centre doesn't. Uh, uh, no, 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 that's right. Object. And and uh, 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 what I'm fingering, Richard, has no colour. It it has no permanence because if I finger now the top of this thing, mm -hmm. and then move my hands down, when the top vanishes, when my hands have come down here, I mean, uh, it's it's evanescent. I mean, it's disappearing all the time. It's got no colour. It's got no opacity. And, and, and uh, Richard, look, if, if, you, if we could, if we could now, um, get a hold of our ears. Yeah. See, well, correction, what ears? I mean, we, we've got a sensation which we interpret here on the left and another one on the right, which we say are ears. But they're not ears. I mean, ears are bigger than the thing we're feeling, aren't they? And they're pinker than the thing we're feeling and more opaque than the thing we're being. So they're not ears, they're just sensations. Yeah. All right. No now, ears. between those two sensations, which we associate with ears, what's the distance between those? Yeah. I mean, I can make it out to be, I can make it out really kind of like, I can make it the distance between east and west, mm. or I can or I can all close it up so there's any kind of distance I like. I don't know what, what I'm talking mm. about, really. Mm. And if, is there a head between those two? I can't even find two, actually. Can't find what? Two. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, it's hard to, if you really uh, attend, are you quite, that's right. Mm. Not two ears no. either. And my arms just disappear into this yeah. yes. place. What fingers, what ears. Yeah. That's right. And you, you see, what one has to say, it's, it's quite true, that uh, the sensations with which I associate my ears and my face and head are not given in the same place uh, that the appearance is given. Mm -hmm. I mean, the appearance is given the mirror why uh, three, four feet away or so. Uh, the, the associated sensations are given rather nearer. Well, it has to be accepted with... Uh, 
natural piety in all the objectiveness, mm. objectivity. Um, that the, they don't go inside. But yet the strange thing Richard here is that uh, when I used to shave, I used to notice sometimes that the sensation kind of lit in, you know, attached to the the thing in the mirror. I experienced that. Have you experienced that? Yes. It's very strange. As though the feel is the the feel and the look of that razor, uh, that razor's uh, journey over one's skin, were in the same place. So these uh, these touch things are very, uh, you know, they they travel around a lot. Yeah. In fact. Uh, One's whole experience of having a body isn't a central experience, is it? I don't find my body here. And the body sensations I have are really at large. As you say, the sensation you have when you shave could just as well be in the mirror. So yeah. my body sensations expand, in a yeah. sense, to fill the world or the they room. Do. Yes, yes, they do. And it helps sometimes when closes one's eyes to mm. check on that. Mm. Um, Yes, this whole business, uh, Richard, is uh, compounded by uh, the notion that one is a body and one's in a body. Mm. And uh, that, once we look into it, I, once I look into it, I don't know what I'm talking about when I say I'm in my body. Mm. I just don't know what I'm talking about. It seems to me quite uh, nonsense talk. Mm. In a body. What would it be like to be like that? Inner body. I look at look at these hands now. Let's look at our hands. If I'm in a body, I'm in those hands, aren't I? I'm not in just central part, my trunk of my body. I'm in the lot. Yeah. What if I'm in those hands? What in what sense am I in them? Mm. I mean, I've, what information do I have about what's inside there? Mm. Well, I mean, when you're in a thing, you have some inside information, don't you? If you're in a house, you have inside information of the house. What about the feeling of my hand, Douglas? The physical sensation. All right, well, let's feel our hands now. Yes. Well, does that mean I'm inside? I mean, where's the, the, the certainly there are feelings, and the feelings, I can, yes, the feelings are, there, like the pinkness is there and the lines are there. Yeah. Well, so what? I'm not stuck in there. No, I don't feel bounded by it. Well, look, it's such a tiny part of my world. I mean, I've got my hand here, but then back of that is Richard and the wall and, and trees and the sky and all that. I mean, I'm much bigger than all this stuff. Mm. I mean, why? It, it, I'm sure when we were very little, we were huge, you know. We, I mean, we weren't shut up in any kind of little box. But growing up is is getting imprisoned in in a box, and it's it's the biggest nonsense and lie you could ever imagine, isn't it? Mm. I mean, this this idea that one is in a body is one of the rather large number of clichés that we live by and die by. Morton cliché, it's, uh, it's absolutely taken for granted, never, never questioned, as far as I can make out. Questioned, of course, by uh, the uh, people like Shankara in the uh, 
Hindu, great Hindu Advaita Vedanta tradition where identity with the body, uh, thinking you are the body or in the body, is equated with delusion and every kind of trouble and nonsense. So seeing is seeing that I'm completely different from what I look like and in a sense from everything I've assumed about myself. That's it. Now, the, the strange thing, the, I'm the thrill of life, I think, in a way, I, th I think it's, a, it's hilarious and it's a tremendously exciting thing to find out is that everything one had believed is exactly the wrong way around. Yeah. Now, I mean, I think, yeah. I think that the situation yeah. could only be devised by an extremely humorous God. Yeah. I think God enormous sense of humour and and also sense of dramatic because what drama it is isn't yes. it what incredible drama everything that I had I, I, I had been so certain of that I know a question everything is, turns out to be the exact opposite of the truth well I mean that's a, that's a plot for a yeah. play isn't it yeah. I mean gosh that 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 <laughs> that you, you accept everything, but, you, but it all goes into reverse. I can't think of anything more excitingly dramatic and also giving one lots of motivation for, for, for living in order to make these discoveries. I mean, Richard, you know, human beings get a lot of joy from discovery, don't they? Mm. Discovery, you know, whether it's America or relativity or evolution, yeah. or who one is above all. Mm. Now, I mean, the people, I think the people who enjoy their lives have been people who discovered things. Mm. Well, you know, it's a discovery for each one of us to make, however humble and mm. however kind of uh, unintellectual or uh, even uneducated for that matter. Um, We've, we've got we've got the some adventures waiting for us which put Columbus and company you know, in the shade something much more exciting right. than any of that and what is this adventure it is the adventure of dis discovering uh, that you start off in a certain certain uh, natural state and you go on to espouse every kind of nonsense and live by it and then the whole thing goes into reverse and you became as you were really as a little baby but this time with full awareness and 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 everything has gone into reverse and immensely in your favor mm. because it's not just gone into reverse so it's just about as bad as it was really in a different way upside down way nastiness it's an upside down niceness i mean it is wonderful really I, I know i know one has to qualify that in a certain sense that it doesn't change in a certain sense nothing has changed everything is as it was but yet in another sense everything is more than okay more than okay yeah. i sometimes think that Life is about a million times better than anyone ever told me. <laughs> yes, I know. It. <laughs> the situation. Just think of what 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 would you want? Just think of what you would like. All right, you got it. Mm. And what you really really like, what you want most of all, mm. you have it. 
mind. How do you, how do you find you have it? One word, attention. That's all. And you see, Richard, this is not what we are on to, you and I. What we are on to, surely, is not achievement. It's not changing things. It's not polishing uh, ourselves up. It's not uh, becoming better people. It's not reform. It, it is waking up. And you could say, of course, that this is the biggest change of all, the biggest change we can possibly make is to, is to come out of our coma. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's true. But it, intrinsically, it is not altering the situation. It is becoming aware of it. And that, in a sense, is the biggest alteration that could ever be made, mm -hmm. since everything is reversed by that mm -hmm. act of attention. Rather that ongoing attitude of looking to see and taking nothing for granted, looking to see, doubting all this uh, indoctrination, doubting language itself, having it's really being kind of simpleton. It's it's, it's really a kind of naivety. Uh, divine idiocy, if you wish. For the next part of this interview, please listen to part two.